Pepper Boys LLC subsidiary. Terms and conditions apply. Oh boy. Oh boy, Kano boy. Oh boy, two two Kano boys. Uh, we got one more week for you to to get it right. So I'll. Uh oh. I'm, I'm sure you'll pull it off. I'm sure you'll pull it off in the end. Well, I guess you haven't seen that they are doing a Kano season boy leader two. Bye. Are they doing a uh, season two, or are they talking about doing a season two? Oh, I have no idea. What'd you pop huh? open? I popped open a summer drink for Summer Pete. Go for Summer Pete's. Right here, buddy. Ah, that's a nice, nice calf. Sweet, sweet calf. Mmm, some beautiful um, blue milk. Ooh. <laughs> I've, got a, I've got an opinion on blue milk. Mm. Hope, hope that's not one of your 35. Um, oh, oh, sorry, Pete. I think you mean 49? No way. Yeah, no. man. I had a day off today. Uh, took the dog to the dog park. We're not going to get into what this is just yet. You'll find out soon. Uh, took the dog to the dog park, and then we sat on out on a patio at a brewery, and I just sat there and started coming up with uh, – got to 49. So feeling pretty good. Um, feeling pretty good about my – I'm almost halfway. Yeah, you, um, you're going to finish before me. But that's fine. I don't know. I might take a hard stop. I don't, I really did intend to. First off, we are without divulging too much. We are talking about our upcoming 200th episode, which is in two weeks and which I believe we may end up recording this week, which I'm actually getting increasingly excited for. Uh, and we've got, you know, we've had a an idea for that. I do maintain that it was Pete's idea, even though he forgot that he had it. And I reminded him of it recently of what we're going to do for that 200th episode. So we are we are putting in work. I mean, I can't remember the last time I planned more than 15 minutes in advance for an episode of this show. And I mean, it's weeks ahead of time that we're planning for this. Now, I did intend to watch... At first, I thought I would watch all the Star Wars movies and use that as inspiration for this thing that we are doing. I don't know if that's going to happen. And then I was like, oh, maybe I'll just watch the first episode of each of the shows we covered and use that for inspiration. But I don't know. I haven't watched anything and I'm 49 in. So maybe I won't need to do any of that. Well, I'm still watching the bad batch. Yeah. I got to get back on that. So I'm at this patio with the pup and, um, uh, a kid comes up, I don't know, seven, eight, and says, Oh, I like your dog. And I noticed the kid is wearing a Star Wars shirt. So I say, Oh, he, I like Does he have shirt. a brimstick? No. Okay. Uh, it's just a shirt that says Star Wars on it. And I say, Oh, I like your shirt. And he goes, Do you watch Star Wars? I'm like, Oh, buddy, you have no freaking idea. But once again, I don't plug the podcast. And I say, I'm actually wearing a Star Wars hat right now. But it's my Bad Batch hat that I got at Celebration that I had D. Bradley Baker sign. And it is just a skull. That says 99 on it. So nothing about this hat says Star Wars. And immediately I'm like, I shouldn't have mentioned that this is a Star Wars hat. This kid, it doesn't matter. Um, but he asked, what was it from? And I said, Bad Batch. And he said, oh, Bad Batch is great. So I don't know. It's kind of cool. I think we can kind of forget that people that aren't adults watch Star Wars. And in the back of my head, like, I, you know, it, it, it makes me feel good maybe that there's uh young people out there watching Bad Batch who aren't listening to podcasts, who aren't on Star Wars Twitter, who are just kind of watching these stories 
and internalizing them and, and taking what they will from it. And, you know, 10 years from now, maybe we'll get to hear their takes and, and what they took away from it. <laughs> if we're alive. Um, yeah, well, Josh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we. I, well, I don't want to spoil what we have planned for episode 201, but... <laughs> episode 201 your week's is, at um, it buddy <laughs> your significant other is going to read our obituaries oh, um <laughs> i could i couldn't i could never get her to ms colombo is never going to be on this show <laughs> um we'll have to cameo somebody yeah. um that, that'll be that'll be in the will cameo christopher sean to read our obits that we can that put would into be the pod. great that would be great um, well, I wasn't going to share this because I hadn't even really thought about it. But I also had a, you know, um, out in the wild Star Wars experience. So I was mm-hmm. in Louisville for stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was flying from Louisville back to a place. And yes, the Po Boys are going to have our own bourbon. We'll tell you about it when we know more. Um, oh, I wish it was bourbon, but it was it was a lot worse. Anyway... <laughs> Um, must I'm on have been bad plane. for you to wish it was bourbon. I'm on this plane, and there's this gentleman. He's a vet. He's getting on the plane before everybody else because he's in a wheelchair. And he was the last to get off the plane for some reason. And he's getting wheeled out, and he just looks at me. Okay? And, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the troops, but, you know, I don't go out of my way and say thank you for your service. I'm not um, like that. This guy looks at me, and I'm wearing the Star Wars shirt I got at Celebration, which is, um, it's like the Mandalorian crest on like your left, um, left breast pocket. But there's no pocket, and the back is the Razor crest. And he just oh, looks at, okay. he's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he just looks at, he's like Mandalorian, and I'm like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> see ya. Um, but yeah, just you know, out there. Star Wars and up, you and me, big Star Wars guys, um, dealing oh, with yeah. the, all those, all those, um, those lay people, those ca- Star Wars casuals. Right, right. Oh boy. Yep, 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 yep. And little did they know, we're almost two hundred episodes into our smash hit podcast, Po Boys, of which this is, I guess, episode one ninety eight. I did want to say this. Um. Within the last, I'll say three months, I was going through a feed. And I mean, I, you know, I'm sure I've done this too, but I know that this was you that did this. Uh, but I'm sure I've also done it. But you had um, doubled up the numbers for an episode because it's Roman numerals. So it's not, I constantly have to look it up. We do the freaking Roman numerals. It's so easy to get lost in them because it's not real numbers. And there was there was two weeks in a row with the same Roman numeral. And I was like, oh, and I caught it and I changed it. But I'm like, well, of 100 plus episodes, what are the chances that that only happened that one time? So in the back of my mind, I'm like, (laughs) yeah, sure, we've got our 200th episode coming up. But it's also equally as likely that this is episode 200 or that episode 200 is not for five more weeks. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the Roman numerals. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> it's, it's a great decision that we made. Well, I, all I ever do is I, I copy and paste the number 
and then I, I add into Google Roman numeral and then it'll tell me and I'm like, oh, we're at that. Mm-hmm. Then I Google it again. Um, because here's a when, here's a one. Mm-hmm. I was thinking recently because Marvel's at I mean, we're closing in on 30 movies with Marvel. I'm pretty sure more closer than not. And of course, Star Wars has 11 movies currently. And I'm like, oh, there's like, I mean, probably something beyond their control will happen and maybe they won't. But, you know, it's like every indication that like there'll be 100 Marvel movies probably at some point. It'll certainly probably be 50. I feel pretty confident. Be like, yeah, there'll be 50 Marvel movies. And back when I'm like, there's not going to be 50 Star Wars movies. There's definitely not going to be 100 Star Wars movies. Like long after we're dead, even. I don't think there's going to be an episode 100, but I don't know. What do you think? Um, save it for the pod. I mean, oh, this is, this is classic sure. episode 200 content. So yeah, okay. absolutely not. While I'll be sharing this. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I, you know, I just have to be very conservative with what I share in this episode and our next episode, which I assume um, so we got one episode of Oh Boy, Two Canoboys left after this. Right, right. But it's probably going to be in person, right? I mean. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I mean, think we it, should do 200 first. Okay. And get that out. That's going to be the undertaking. Episode 200 is going to be an undertaking. But yeah, we are going to be hanging out. Seems like we've got all the time in the world. So yeah, I mean, you know, prob- probably. I do. Um, because I'm I'm currently summer Pete. Oh, okay, yeah, summer Pete. Good, good, good. Um, but l- just listeners to give you a little bit of a taste, um, of episode two hundred, episode one hundred mm-hmm. was I believe three hours, maybe two hours and twenty minutes. That's a great question. And we're doubling that. All right, because you got to go bigger each time. Yeah, but we're so much more efficient now. No, we're not. Okay, so fun fact, though. I mean, if you type in 100 Star Wars ever into Spotify, we're what comes up. Um, April 6th, 2020, over two years ago, uh, two hours and 41 minutes. Yep. The description. The Poe Boys count 100 Star Wars ever. <laughs> My favorite part about that was I convinced multiple people that they were in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> so um, and maybe they just told, told me this to humor me, but they said they listened. They're like, where, where was where was I? And I'm like, you were not in the episode. All right. Sure. I have too much respect yeah. for this craft. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to dole out my my dignity and, um, you know, the 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 good name of the Po Boys LLC network just for some cheap uh, downloads. Instead, I'm going to trick you into doing it. Sure, sure, sure. Um, Was there any Star Wars news this week? I don't think there was. Um, not that I saw. Oh. I don't know if this is actually true or not. Let me do a quick Star Wars search. Um, this is um, podcasting. Okay. Apparently, 
uh, Millie Bobby Brown it might be in uh, Star Wars movies. There's like uh, some um, different rumors going that she's in contract talks to mm. get cast in some undisclosed Star Wars role. Um, Millie Bobby Brown being the main character in Stranger Things. She was in one of the Godzilla movies. Hmm. And I haven't seen her in anything else. But that was up on my that was up on my feed. Who knows if that's actually true or not. But yeah, I haven't I, seen anything about that. Um great actor. Um but nothing nothing official. Let's let's say that. Nothing nothing official that I've seen um according to starwars.com nothing i've really seen um that, that's out there what about yeah, you yeah i mean i'm doing a browse of star wars searching by news and i can't find anything on it but uh given the whole description that the brief description they gave for the star wars skeleton crew where it was like oh young people amblin i was like oh you're just you're, you're gonna try and do star wars stranger things okay cool now, if we were starving for content, which we are not because we're the kings of content. Yes. There is an article that came out because um, since last episode, we didn't really talk about it, um, but it was Father's Day. And there's an article, according to StarWars.com, by this um, writer, Dan Zier, who I've never heard of. Um, it's titled The Lessons of Fatherhood in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I bl- and the only thing this article says is don't. It's just one word. Um, so that's pretty much um, they. Oh, OK. Actually, I really. So it's just showing a bunch of relationships and the, the you know, obviously Vader, Luke, Jinja um, right. um, and little Yanni. But the third one is Hunter and an Omega, oh. um, which is I would I would one hundred percent agree. Um, I it, it's probably just because you know I'm watching Bad Batch right now, but it's a great relationship and it is, is honestly an example of how to raise your how to raise your kid in a civil war on the run in an irresponsible situation, but you still got to raise your kid. But yeah. but I will say, I think to call it a father-daughter relationship perhaps diminishes some of the nuance of that relationship in Bad Batch. Because there is also an element of, uh, I mean, there's a siblingness kind of to it because they're all from the same genetic template. But they, I think that there is more of like, there is an amount of we are peers in that relationship that they have that I don't, I, I think, I, I don't know, I think... I think to call it a parental relationship diminishes it a little bit. But yeah, I also I also like that fact too of you know multiple times I'm sure that you had the same feeling. I know I I had the same feeling that when you're a kid you're like I'm smarter than my parents or I know more about my parents and X thing, Mm -hmm. and they do a good job of that with Omega. I just watched this episode where they introduce Sid, and the Bad Batch walks into Sid's bar and is like, "We're looking for Sid." And Sid's like, haven't heard of that person. They're not there. And they're like, oh, who, where are we going to go now? Where are we going to go now? And Omega just like looks at them like, you know, that's Sid, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, oh, oh. Um, which I think is like a very realistic portrayal. I mean, I know 
I don't want to date my dad too much, but um, when it comes to technology, there's a lot of things that I'm like, here's a simple solution. Here's a simple solution. Here's a simple solution. Not that, you know, I'm smarter than him by any means, but that a child has a different perspective based on, you know, their social location, um, their peers, their experiences, et cetera. So I agree, you know, the, the sibling situation definitely um, is shown through multiple times of Bad Batch, but I really do like the parallel of Omega and Hunter um, in a more paternal relationship mm. um, than you would, and then you would definitely think, but then it's then just the classic. Um, we got Hunter and Omega, we got Bale and Leia, and then we got Owen and Luke, and then that's it. We don't have um, Kaz and Kaz's Senator dad who, like, Oh, weird is super disappointed in him. And then <laughs> we never talk about it again. We don't have Boba and Django fat because we don't want to get into, um, eugenics. Um, but you know, um, Star Wars, there's dads. Um, yeah, there definitely is weird that you made a point of bringing up dads. You never made a point of bringing up moms this past year for Mother's Day. I never had to listen to you talking about that. Well, weird. We definitely we had well we did the Father's Day episode one year, and then it's crazy that we can say the one year since we've been doing this for oh my gosh. Um, almost almost 200 episodes almost 10 years almost um half my life yeah. but we did do a mama rama sure and then i don't know what so we the were name even. was for... and all we had to do was let it lie yeah but starwars.com had to get in the way with dan mm, zier and his mm. article about fatherhood sure um but yeah so um shout out to the dad shout out to the moms um there is definitely a you know um some moms and some dads in this episode of obi-wan so i i i think that's as good of a transition into the episode unless you have something you want to add josh no i think we've vamped long enough let's get into this app and let's start where this episode starts there are certain scenes in this fictional series that some viewers may find upsetting Thoughts. Yeah. Um it it sets you up and it braces you. So mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily need that, but it does take you into a different viewing experience. Um I kind of not that it felt the same way, but it it I I feel like it kind of detracts you from going in with a clean slate. Uh sure. I, the same thing happened to me when I had to watch Tom Cruise talk about how grateful he was that I was watching Top Gun. Uh, And obviously, and and obviously a different setting in a different tone. Yeah. Incredibly Um, different. Arguably, But I was bracing myself to see things that were super brutal. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't need to see, you know, kids getting mowed down. Right. Um, Which, um, and we're covering part five, Obi-Wan Kenobi series spoilers mm-hmm. um, left and right. So yeah. and that's I, your warning. Here's my thing. And I don't know, like just again, and this is verbatim. There are certain scenes in this fictional series that some viewers may find upsetting. Sounds very condescending to me. 
I don't know. It rang it rang of condescension to me for some reason. Certain scenes, some viewers may find it upsetting. I don't know. It was very like, don't get upset. Certain people, it's fictional. Like this is fake. I don't know. I'm sure well, they ran it by a dozen people up and down PR or whatever, and I don't necessarily have an alternative that I would provide. They'll give me 15 minutes and I'll think of one. Um, but it did feel, I don't know. Because, like, it's also, let's let's just be upfront about it. The scenes they are referring to in this episode, while very jarring, are not the same as what we see in that first episode, which is kids in class... And somebody with a gun runs in and starts shooting at them. And my understanding is that they put a they they ended up putting a warning in that episode after the fact, and they were kind of late to that. When I rewatched it, maybe because I skipped recap or whatever, I did not see that warning. It was it was there. It was in episode one. Yeah, I just I'm, think I'm sure. It. S- same same language. Yes. Um, yeah. But I think it 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 did have some reference to Uvalde. It either had a specific reference or it had a little mm-hmm. due to the recent events. Well, I know Stranger Things did that. Mm-hmm. Like Stranger Things was very because I, re- I mean, I remember re- I don't watch Stranger Things, but I remember the news story and I remember reading what the episode of Stranger Things had, like the content warning that that episode had. And I remember thinking like, yeah, I mean, that's that that's that sounds about right. Um, just I don't know. Certain and fictional and upset kind of just felt they they glared at they glared out at me that wording um as if like i don't know people are gonna get upset about this need to be reminded that it's not real i don't know i'm sure their heart was in the right place but i don't i didn't i didn't care for the tone of of that message i think it felt a little condescending at worst maybe uh dismissive at best um but yeah and i mean you're right like as soon as i saw that i knew oh we're gonna get you know we're gonna go back to that scene from the first episode and we're gonna see more of that but i will also say this episode was i mean enough was going on that i was not watching this whole episode with that content warning in the forefront no, of my no, brain not at all i very not quickly you know um and i would say that when they finally get to the scene uh, they do a, a relatively decent job of, you know what's happening, but you're not physically seeing it. You can imagine what's Which happening. I do wonder. I do wonder because it uh, and and you can't imagine what's happening. But even the the specific logistics of it, I mean it. What you get, I mean, Vader is a cruel, cruel individual, and kind of what you get is. He does the same thing to Reva here that he did to her there, and he runs her through with his lightsaber. You don't, I, it was cut such a way that I wasn't necessarily sure that he ever had actually attacked her or not, because it kept, it kept flipping back and forth. And I watched the second time with Miss Colombo and kind of had a better idea of the logistics. Not that you need the logistics, it's terrible, and that's really the main thing you need to know. Um, but it, because I, on a, you know, very serious subject but on a lighter note i was watching it thinking oh they're really going to make it hard for this order 66 supercut that keeps happening because it keeps flashing back and forth between current day and then flashing back to order 66 so it's not just one clean cut scene for them to 
take out of it and plug into their whole Fallen Order, Clone Wars, Revenge of the Sith whole uh, supercut that we always love commenting on. But I don't even remember where we started this conversation. Um, well, Revenge has Revenge is such a great way to well, what was the line? It was so good from the Grand Inquisitor. Revenge does a wonder to one's will to live. Hmm. Um, I forget what the line was, but it was it was it was pretty chilling as um he like let her go mm-hmm. with also adding like a, a kind of some disgusting comments that had nothing that made no sense. Oh, about leaving her in the gutter. Yeah, made zero sense about I why. I think it did make sense. I well, and look, I mean, I've said it every freaking episode. I'm gonna say it again. We have freaking rules. I mean, not as like a person or the thing she's doing, but this is a super incredibly compelling character to me. And I, I mean, I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I did predict this back when we were talking episode one, episode two. This was sort of what I assumed was going on, where she was trying to get close to Vader because she knew he was Anakin, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and it was, I mean, for once, I was like, yeah, I mean, usually you're, you know, you have an idea, but I'm like, I don't know. They'll probably come up with something better. But I don't know. The way they executed this, was so freaking exciting but because she's i mean she's like she's like a sort of flip side of the coin to cassian andor which to be fair that maybe there'll be more light shed on that in the andor series but i mean when we meet cassian in rogue one you very clearly get the impression that he's ruthless i mean he guns a man down in cold blood so he can flee and no one will be the wiser that he was ever there and we get the impression that he has a cause but he is ruthless and similarly reva has this cause I think it's super interesting and super cool that her cause is not affiliated with any sort of establishment, though. Her cause is her own. It is not the rebellion. It is not the empire. It is, you know, vengeance for her lost family. And she is ruthless in the pursuit of that cause, as Andor is, as other characters that we've seen throughout the Star Wars universe are. But their causes are more, you know, aligned with the light or the dark or whatever. Uh, freaking love it. But I and just. The idea, them saying, we found you in the gutter, to me, again, I, my favorite Star Wars stuff just gets my imagination spinning. And I love imagining what, you know, what happens in between the shows and in between the episodes of this idea of, you know, a Padawan who manages to survive this horrible slaughter in the temple. And then, yeah, she's in the gutter. So clearly things did not go well for her after that. So you get the impression that, oh, maybe there was a time where vengeance wasn't at the forefront of her mind. Maybe at a certain point she just wanted to survive and that didn't work out because you get the impression that, you know, when the Inquisitors finally got to her again, she was in the gutter. She was not doing well. She was at the bottom and presumably desperate. And this was like not her first course of action. I don't know. It's I. I mean, it's definitely a super cruel thing of him to say and a cruel thing to, to do. But I like I like the backstory that it implies and the I don't know, just the arc of that character and the idea of of where their life took them is is fascinating to me. And I mean, I'm not trying to jump ahead, but her confronting Vader in this episode is some of my favorite Star Wars in a long, long time, and which is not to say that we haven't had good Star Wars recently. But I mean, I was on the edge of my seat. That whole sequence was breathtaking. I loved it. Oh my gosh. 
I mean, it, it just made me think of some of the climactic battles that you'd get in Rebels or in Clone Wars, whereas, like, finally characters are aligning and finally, you know, X, Y, and Z are all in the same place. Whoa. I don't know. It's great. I freaking loved it. I freaking loved yeah, I mean, it. We can talk about the battle. I mean, the lightsaber. Well, I, I can't even call it a duel. Um, I Lightsaber do, um, toying as he was toying with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and it... We, I mean, we've talked about this multiple times. Um, Disney taking control of Vader makes yeah. him imposing. Yeah, makes him, him terrifying. Horror. Yeah. And, you know, they do that one that clearly looks like a video game where he literally tears apart that ship yeah. horrifically. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you. I mean, you, you think for a millisecond and the ship's grounded and that's going to be the battle right there is going to be the two of them and he has to fend them off and something occurs as opposed to the you know gotcha with a with a different ship still not but clear on where that different ship was if you watch it a second time it's i it, did um um i i saw it it's not um it doesn't make sense I would I would agree with you, but because it's it's, cer- it's mm-hmm. set up as if it is behind the first ship, but the first ship is in the air and there's nothing on the ground behind it. Is it in a different hangar? I don't know. Whatever, it's fine. Yeah, uh, I couldn't help but notice. As much as I was loving this episode, couldn't help but notice. So that I mean that was that was great, and then yeah. just like he doesn't even pull out his lightsaber, he just takes her. Yeah. Um, which I really enjoy because these Inquisitors are not supposed to be good right. at anything. Like, they're intentionally weaker than Vader. Yeah, I mean, I remember Filoni talking about the whole idea behind their spinny blades. It was the idea that it was sort of a cheat code, and it was that, you know, they aren't necessarily fully trained. They aren't the, the, the equivalent of a Jedi Knight. They have these, you know, simpler ways to power, like a lightsaber that spins on their behalf. And having mm-hmm. Vader slow that lightsaber down and bring it to a halt, you know, knowing, remembering what I had heard Filoni say about those lightsabers on the onset of Rebels, it was, yeah, that was some intense stuff. And I think they're doing a really good job of that, where it's it's just sheer numbers and having the weight of mm-hmm. the Empire that allows them to go after all of these people. Because, you know, they show Reva, she's not strong in the Force, or not as strong in the forest as like the fifth brother. Um, and you know, clearly it, it shows in this, um, it's interesting that she even thought that she had a chance against Vader, but I guess you kind of have to force that option. Like, well, she had, yeah. I mean, I, I think what Obi-Wan told her had weight of this idea of he will only be focused on me. And you have to think, I mean, I, I assume had Vader not already known who the third sister was, had not had he not already been prepared and scheming for all of that, I don't know that I don't think he I think he would have been caught by surprise. But he mm-hmm. showed up already knowing, oh, I've got this wild card I'm playing that I know isn't on my side. But I think had he not known that, had Riva's, you know, espionage, um, pulled the wool over Vader's eyes and had he truly believed Reva was an Inquisitor or whatever, you know, through and through, I think he maybe would have been so focused on Kenobi. But it's telling because, I mean, Obi-Wan tells her, you know, oh, all he's going to see is me. 
But I mean, as soon as he says that, it's also like, oh yeah, all Reva's gonna see is Vader. You know, Vader and Reva are in the same boat here. They're both, you know, sharks for their prey. And and Vader sees nothing but Kenobi, and Reva sees nothing but Vader. So it's you know, Obi-Wan is telling her what is gonna be her own downfall. Is you know, you you're you're making a beeline for this one guy to the expense of all else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as you were saying, yeah, the the whole kind of horror element and and the i mean they really i don't know the cruelty vader has displayed in kenobi i mean i think it's important because i think there's a certain amount of nerfing it that happens in revenge of the sith where you get them like oh he didn't kill padme she lost a little we live and like even though he literally murders children in that movie they do sort of i don't know there's an amount of like they don't they don't lean into it as much as they could have in that movie. And I mean that's probably fair because I mean already at the time that was the first PG thirteen Star Wars movie. So they were already leaning pretty hard into darkness compared to the other films. But I think it's important to show that like, no, he did some bad stuff. Cause that's you know, I think with the whole Ben Demption thing, one of the things that I don't see discussed quite so much is like the role that Kylo Ren plays and a lot of really, really bad stuff that happens. And you never see that on film. Like it's not in the movies. So I think it's maybe also easier. Cause I think that these movies and this story through Kylo Ren and through Darth Vader foster important conversations that are going to have to happen in pop culture in the near future of when do we forgive or, you know, how, how does the audience, how does the public, how does culture and society reckon with someone who has done something bad that is trying to make amends? Do we, you know, is a, what, what is the, how do the scales balance, balance out for that? Do they ever? And in, in them really showing Vader being just a, a horrible, horrible uh, monster. Well, I think they're just, playing into that. You just like, determine hey is this person about to die then you're like all right we'll 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 say it's okay <laughs> yeah and, apparently right that's the thing and, yeah that's the thing is it's always they're dead so it's okay because they aren't they don't have to be around in society anymore to answer for their crimes but yeah uh it's yeah i don't they really make him yeah he's a he's a real cruel mean dude but that fight i mean because you're going in and we're you know we know that vader's not going to lose that fight or at least we know he's not going to be killed. We know Rio's not going to succeed. But even still, just like... I don't know. I was on the edge of my seat. I was on the edge of my seat. And I can't... Like, Moses Ingram's just got this, like... Ferocity and this this assuredness to her performance. And when she's, like, trying to swing at him, but the lightsaber won't make contact because he's holding him back with a force, and she's just, like, screaming and trying with all her might to hit him. I was like, this is, this, the intensity here is at 11. I don't know. I was losing it. I was losing it. And See, it also... For me... Go, yeah, ahead. go ahead. No, you first, well, buddy. I was going to say, I didn't. it didn't resonate as much for me with that scene, but the opening of the episode where we had the flashback mm-hmm. and we get the Obi-Wan Anakin duel... That part I was just... I was, I was screaming at. <laughs> of this conflict that happened and they they do a good job in episode two of showing 
the conflict of it occurring of, you know, I've surpassed him in many ways, but I still have to, you know, say the political line of Mm -hmm. he's my master, he's powerful, blah, blah, blah. But I could do so much more. I could do so much more. I could do so much more. Just seeing, you know, the two of them in that scene, just, I mean, it was, it was, it was almost, it, it wasn't quite at the level of seeing Ahsoka in Mandalorian, that level mm-hmm. of screaming that I did, but I was, uh, my heart was racing. I had, you know, um, some goosebumps for sure as I was watching that. Interesting. Yeah. Mrs. Columbo was, was not a fan. Um, I thought I, I didn't, I didn't, I was, I was neither here nor there about it. I thought it, I, I enjoyed it kind of pivoting between the chess match that we find the two of them having in the current day on, on Jabim mm-hmm. versus them kind of having a more straightforward lightsaber duel and, and the kind of the parallels there. I did find that fairly compelling as did the uh, bartender at the brewery that the wedding that we were at, that we were also talking to about the episode, but yeah, yeah Ms. Clump was like, Oh, we're, I don't need this. I don't need this. I, yeah, I thought it was fine. I thought, I thought that we were going to finally get the real like Hayden reveal. It was going to be like, well, I won't say that in case nobody's seen it, but I, I thought it would be something of like, like we were going to get this armor damaged and pry that helmet off at some point. Oh, similar to Rebels. The, the thing I just said I wasn't going to bring up because, yeah, sure. Yeah. Oops, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've seen it. You're not really anything for me, but yeah, I, I, I thought maybe they were holding it back for revealing him beneath the armor though i guess they've already showed him the back the tank i will be curious to figure out if it was hayden christensen in the back the tank or not because there is a third person credited for vader like a vader performance artist or something they're called that's not hayden christensen or james Earl jones so who knows how often it is hayden in the armor if it is hayden in the back to tank or or whatever um i did find it interesting because and I mean, I'm not. I'm not knocking anyone. This is strictly in 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 uh, reaction to sort of Boba Fett and stuff like that. It didn't really seem like they did too much to de-age Ewan McGregor or Hayden Christensen for that scene, because it looks like it's supposed to take place before Attack of the Clones, I assume. And I mean, they just you know, it, it, like I said, it just didn't compared to like. And granted, the age difference is not so huge, but compared to some of the stuff they do in the Marvel movies, de-aging people. I didn't, it didn't look like they were doing any CGI trickery or whatever. It felt like they just trusted the audience to be like, this is this character. That uh, to is be interesting. Fair, they have the actors. So that, you know, goes a long way because it is Hayden Christensen, it is Ian McGregor, but it did kind of feel like, look, you did this and I'm willing to ride with you with this. I mean, it, I don't know. You didn't do any like insane deep fake, less advanced technology that's going to destabilize the entire world kind of nonsense for this. You know, maybe you could also find a different way to bring back Luke Skywalker. You know, I don't know. I mean, again, it's, you know, it's different. The age difference is not the same from, you know. It's only, but I don't know. It just felt like they they trusted the audience with this to sort of be like, yeah, we get that you're probably gonna pick up that they're older here than they were before Attack of the Clones, but like, 
they're here. The performance is there. You know, these are these characters. You can tell what time period this is. We trust that if we tell a compelling enough story with these characters, that you'll go along with it and not whine about the means through which we're portraying those characters. And I wish that that same amount of trust had been there for Luke Skywalker and and these series that we're doing, because this did not leave me feeling dirty or like a thing that I loved was contributing to some real weird stuff that I wish didn't exist. So I don't know. Also very fun to have Ian McGregor back in a wig after his wig origins in Phantom Menace. Yeah. Um, well, I know that he's been talking about the, that haircut for a while. Mm-hmm. And now it makes a lot more sense. The, the mullet and um, they, they both were talking about how the mullets made a comeback and how it was, it's such a good look. It's such a classic look now. And mm-hmm. it seemed kind of weird that, you know, they were talking that much about it, but that's clearly they're doing their own little nod, like, Oh, just wait until episode five. Um, when, when the mullet's coming back for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's talk about the siege, the siege at Jabim. Yeah. Um, the, it's not the often, nonsensical scheme. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's not often in star Wars that we see like an actual kind of a war. This felt like an actual star war, or at least a star battle. Like it, it very much felt. I don't know. The whole siege of it all just made it. It almost felt like a setup for like a Lord of the Rings type of skirmish or something. It, it definitely felt like in the trenches warfare happening in this episode, and I thought they portrayed it very effectively. I thought this was the most um, intimidating stormtroopers have seemed, maybe ever. Certainly in a long time. Like, it just felt like, oh, yeah, it's not that these guys are all snipers. It's that there are infinity of them and they are not going to stop coming. And if you're in a tunnel and there's stormtroopers coming at you in that tunnel, they're not going to stop. And you can stop every one of them, but there will always be another one behind them. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, there was definitely a kind of they're all doomed. Like, it's never going to it's never going to stop. Um, kind of situation. And you also kept thinking that Obi-Wan would push the tide back, but he really wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it kind of gives you a glimpse on, you know, this is Obi-Wan 10 years um, into, you know, since episode three. And it kind of gives you a look of, this is what the rebellion looked like yeah, with other Jedi that were on the losing end because so many of them you know, uh, the majority of them, um, if unless they wrote them out as a gray Jedi, they don't make it to episode four. Um, so or they go into kinda, hiding. Or they go into hiding with and the this show shows us the circumstances or the, the you know, the, the price you pay for coming out of hiding. Mm-hmm. You know, so it is believable. Like, oh, yeah, this is why there's no Jedi in the rebellion or, you know. Well, and you saw how many lightsabers that was, too. I know. Uh, I thought that those lightsabers might play a role in Reva and Vader's fight. And they might uh, have her take up a Jedi lightsaber in fighting him. But now, uh, they, you know, they really do make a point of showing those lightsabers and showing those robes. And I'm like, 
based on the end of this episode, Reva knows about Luke, or he knows, you know, she knows there's another kid, she knows Tatooine, she knows Owen, she's got all the information she needs, so I'm wondering, oh, does she maybe take a Jedi robe and a Jedi lightsaber and show up on Tatooine, and it's like, oh, I'm a good Ooh, guy, give me your son, because like they are really kind of setting up, and I don't even know if you can call it Legends, because I don't know that it was even canon before Disney happened, but famously, there was a comic book back, back in the day, before Darth Maul was back alive, back in the times where Darth Maul died in Phantom Menace, they had a comic where Darth Maul shows up with robot legs on Tatooine to like kill Luke or kill Owen or and who knows how he all knows that. But and and Obi Wan confronts him, and that's sort of the origin of those robot legs and all that stuff comes from this uh, this comic book. Again, I'm not gonna. I don't know that you would even call it Legends. Well, right now it would be Legends because it's all not in canon. But I don't think it was ever canon. But essentially, you know. A Force-sensitive threat comes to Tatooine, comes to get Luke, and Obi-Wan has to stand between the two of them. And that sort of conflict being an impetus for the Lars Homestead being like, yeah, no, get out of here, Obi-Wan. Because, I mean, where we see Obi-Wan living in episode one of this is not where he lives in A New Hope. Right now, he's living someplace close to the Lars Homestead. I suspect maybe at the end of this he will move a, a, a little further along. But with Reva knowing that there is something important on Tatooine, they do sort of seem to be setting up a parallel to that, that Legends story. So I'll be curious how that plays out. Well, and I also, I just recently watched um, the Rebels episode with Obi-Wan Kenobi, which... Great episode. Um, Twin sons. Um, yeah, and he is not... We watched that together, the... right? When that premiered, um, I think I you were in so. town for a party we were having. Mm-hmm. But he he's on a do back in that mm-hmm. episode, mm-hmm. so he's also going to change yeah change his um... animals. Well, you get older, you put on a little more weight, and you need something more substantial to hold you up. Yeah, for sure. And they just got to figure out the, how to how to pick those do backs. Yeah, um, make them look cooler. Mm-hmm. Well. Um, I thought you were going to go that a different angle. And I like the angle you went a lot more. I was just going to look up and see. I just looked up Quinn and Voss's lightsaber. And I'm like, I guess I'm going to watch this again. <laughs> and oh, I'm, I'm going to look at the I'm going to look at the picture because, you know, they're, they're so detailed with Star Wars. So, yeah, clearly they're going to be like, this was X, Y and Z's lightsaber um to explain that yeah i'm sure there's a lightsabers in there that were that were made up specific for the show but there's no way that at least one of those lightsabers isn't some established character's lightsaber Mm -hmm. yeah that's definitely definitely an easter egg and Mm -hmm. same thing i mean that wall was huge i mean there's so there has to yeah be a bunch more um stuff that's on there for sure of different star wars legend stuff as of as of this recording, I have not taken a look at it um, in any form, any any kind of detail for it. Um, well, I had a I had a coworker that watches the show and said to me, "As long as I get Qui Gon, I will be at peace with this series." Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure we will. I mean, they really do seem to be setting up in the early episodes. Yeah, he's sort of been trying to commune with Qui-Gon, but it's not quite working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I imagine yeah, yeah. that. I mean, yeah, we're it's crazy. The finale's coming up, man. The finale is coming up. 
two days. We're recording this on Monday. The finale is on Wednesday. I mean, wow, wow, wow. Don't get me wrong again. Love Ms. Marvel. But there is very much a what is going to happen next aspect to Kenobi that is uh, putting it at the at the start of my Wednesday viewing. Oh, it has. To, I mean, it's going to be the first thing. Yeah. And the and I that's not to say I haven't enjoyed Miss Marvel immensely. Right. But um, it's just, you know, Miss Marvel's just starting out like, it, you know, not to spoil anything for the first two episodes of Miss Marvel, but it is a lot of setting up who these characters are, what a relationship is. So it's not there isn't a lot you can spoil. Whereas, like, we're in the back half of six episodes of Kenobi. Like, every episode is, is very plot-oriented. It's very, very plot-oriented at this point. So, yeah. And it's it's interesting, too, of... We end episode five. You know, Beth has her new destination. That, that um, Rogue's thing is a really cool touch that would, wouldn't surprise me. And then, then, um, oh, Shane, um, who is named Junior? Junior. Oh, um, I think it's Roken. Roken, awesome name. Um, Roken's ship is being pursued. Their hyperdrive is their hyper hyperdrive hyperdrive is down. Um, oh boy, it's like the last Jedi's little uh, little thing all over again. Yeah, and they're probably like, can't we get a toe? We can't catch and then, them, boom. but we can follow them forever. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Deborah Chow's yeah, nod to Ryan Johnson. Um, so I, I have no I, problem I, with Last Jedi. It's just that thing in particular that I was always kind of rolling my eyes at. I like Last Jedi. But anyway. Save it for the pod. Um, yeah. But it doesn't... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see Vader in Obi-Wan match up again um interesting yeah like he's gonna go on tatooine right because vader showing up on tatooine seems like a bridge too far Mm -hmm. no matter how cool that would be him showing up on tatooine in association with kenobi just seems like too much of a thing to overlook for where we find them in a new hope Agreed. I never even considered that they wouldn't have another fight. I I definitely Maybe thought they, they would won't. for, for right. sure. Um, and part of it was the third sister Vader fight, but like it just seems like right. a lot for Obi Wan, who's you know still reeling. Like um, the Force is coming back to him for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, he uses that Force push. Um, and is getting more comfortable, but like to expect him to take on Vader, then um, somehow make it to Tatooine, take on Riva, and then end Dude, credit. And, and I, I hate being like rampant speculator or whatever, but man, if Kenobi has to take on Riva, and if Kenobi has to put down Riva, and this idea of we are going to make Obi Wan Kenobi finish what anakin couldn't and like he he is putting down a youngling essentially here i don't know that would be devastating i would i mean i would believe it i don't think it would be like a you know narratively speaking based on who those characters are i don't feel like it would be ridiculous or whatever but it that that would be that would be devastating but i mean we do have you know there is always the option of you know vader's in a star destroyer they're in a much smaller ship 
could do the whole Death Star thing of sucking the ship up into the Star Destroyer with a tractor beam and having an escape like they did in the Death Star and them fighting there or whatever. But, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. know. Well, speaking of devastating, I was very upset at Tall as Death. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, But it was great that they, you know, had that scene because it adds gravity to what's happening um you you know they make it in in rogue one fashion they make you care about somebody and then immediately take them away yeah um, well i mean i also like ned b i mean i like tala more because she's a human being but you know i yeah the droid as well it was that was uh that was a stone cold bummer seeing them go and it was i i keep going back and forth about her kind of confession to obi-wan because from us grip perspective it just seems sort of strange that obi-wan is he's got his little message from bail and then he turns around and tala shows up and she's like oh by the way here's my whole backstory right but now you know watching it again i mean i've got it on in the background right now for a third time it does sort of feel like hey i know what the odds are like i know what we're facing i need to tell somebody this and and I just I just need this information out there. I need this off my chest. I need to confess this to somebody before my potential demise. Because I mean, there's certainly arguments to be made of, oh, she had a big dramatic monologue, so obviously she's going to die. They're setting her up for that. You know, maybe yeah, there is a little bit of that going on. But the more I think about it, the more that her confession to Obi Wan does kind of feel organic and and justified narratively in a way that at first I was like. Why is she saying this right now? What is this a response to? But it's not a response to Kenobi. It's a response to her own thing that she's got going on because she's in danger and she knows that. Yeah, I um, I mean, she was super compelling and it made sense the steps she took, right? I'm sure some people could be like, she would never go to the Inquisitorius Maximus um, uh, security outpost to pus. Um, place that makes no sense that she would do that mm-hmm. um but i just enjoy that character in dear varma was great uh oh yeah yeah definitely and i yeah. do still i mean as we mentioned in previous episodes i do kind of still hold out hope that she could pop up in an andor we don't know the timeline for andor we know where it ends but it could start pretty early on i mean that could you know i would be i would be or if she showed up in bad batch even I, this, this is a character yeah. i would like to see again as is Roken, as is, you know, a lot of these characters. I mean, third sister, man. I feel like the end of the show is not going to be kind to her, but I want that character. I want that character Inqui- showing up. I want to see more of that character. Inquisitors and Bad Batch would be so good. Because Bad yeah. Batch, they make a point of saying, hey, these people are on par with some Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have, I mean, it wouldn't make 100% sense since that's not the purview. Like, you know, inquisitors don't go after anybody but right more sensitive but them protecting a foreign a force sensitive in season three a season two um yeah yeah, you you got oh oh my gosh yeah (laughs) right there it is i mean that's that's where we're gonna see the inquisitor uh we're certainly not gonna see vader going after a wookie padawan no probably Um, not wow yeah so here's not looking forward to that Here's a few more things I have. Last last major discussion point, I guess I would say, before I just touch on other bells and whistles. 
Um, what do we think of Kenobi kind of throwing away his lightsaber, saying there are other ways to fight, and this idea of him essentially using Reva as a weapon and pointing I Reva that. at Vader? I, I mean, I, I like it, but like, this does not seem like a very Jedi thing. Well, using another, I mean, he knows he said... Reva's a youngling. He knows what she's been through. And him kind of, I mean, I guess, I guess arguably maybe he does truly believe she could succeed, but it also does feel very kind of Machiavellian or I don't know for a, for a Jedi, it felt kind of, which is fine by the way. I mean, cause where he's at right now in his life and what's going on, I mean, he's, he has not claimed that, well, I guess he did tell Leia he's a Jedi, but there's this, you know, he is, he, you know, he is not in the Jedi Order anymore. The Jedi Order is not a thing. It would make sense that he would now maybe have some moral trappings. We know from the original trilogy that he believes that Vader needs to die, and that's a thing. I mean, it's essentially the same thing he does with Luke. He's like, oh, no, I'm going to train Luke. Luke's going to kill Vader. And Luke, if you don't kill your dad, the Emperor's already won. So he, I don't know. It just did, it did, it felt kind of morally reprehensible. Though I guess... You could argue be more morally reprehensible pointing Luke at Vader like a weapon. Luke's his own son. So I guess it does set up for that. So maybe I'm answering my own questions. Because I will say the two things I walked away with this from this episode with that kind of resonate further out into the canvas of Star Wars writ large. You know, at, at a certain point, Reva challenges him when they're talking through the door of, do you want to kill Anakin? Do you even want Anakin dead? And you don't get a response from him. And you do kind of get the feeling of, I'm not so sure. But when we, again, when we meet Kenobi in, in the original films and in Return of the Jedi, he clearly believes Anakin needs to die. Vader needs to die. And I leave this episode believing that he has gone from being shocked and traumatized that Anakin is still alive, being unable to kill Anakin at the end of Revenge of the Sith, to believing no, at all costs, this man who I love needs to die. Believe Which that. he has that view in episode five of, uh, or no, episode six? Episode six. Right. Where, you know, Luke's like, I can turn him, I can turn him, and Obi-Wan is pretty clearly like, he needs to die, he needs to die. Yeah. Which is where he gets, um, where, you know, we're, we're, we're getting certain thoughts and feelings that are starting to match up with where we see Obi-Wan in episode four, episode five, episode six. Exactly, exactly. And it is a cool bridge that way. It also, I think, adds new flavors to... Love new flavors. I love them, I love them. Uh, Umami, that's a flavor, right? To Mango Jelly Ranchers, great flavor. (laughs) To a line that we get from, and now I can say as much because we've seen him come back, the Grand Inquisitor... Uh, at one point saying of Vader, there are things worse than death. And that line is always chilling to me. I mean, Jason Isaacs mm-hmm. is an incredible actor and, and the, uh, the circumstances of the delivery of that line in Star Wars Rebels are, are super compelling. But now seeing all this and having a little more context for it in what we've seen Vader do, um, that line resonates all the more and is all the more chilling. And you really, I really do believe that you know, the Grand Inquisitor is like, yeah, no, I, I, you know, rather die than be on the wrong side of Vader. Yeah. Um, um, mm-hmm. 
So the other less discussion-worthy things I wanted to throw out there real quick is I thought Natalie Holt's score this episode and last week's episode as well was incredibly compelling. I thought her score just for the kind of onslaught of stormtroopers filtering into the base was super intense. And then her score for the the big standoff between Reva and Vader was super intense. I don't know. She's bringing it. She's bringing it. She's she's matching the level of drama on screen uh, with her score and and heightening it. Um, I found it very very compelling. And so props on that. And then the last thing is we get one of these moments that you get all the time, and I'm kind of shocked that they did it in a Star Wars thing. But it's like, how long do you need to do this? And Roken goes three or four hours and Obi-Wan Kenobi says you have one how's that ever worked ever 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 um, ever ever like if I'm driving from A to B and they're like how long do you need and I'm like it's like an hour and 15 minutes and they go you've got 15 minutes it doesn't matter I'm not gonna make it I mean t- things take what they take so I that makes me think I, I've just been watching um I, I watch Star Trek and I've been rewatching Star Trek Discovery and Tig Notaro, who's a fantastic comedian. Hilarious. She's an engineer. And in one of the seasons, um, the, she's like making some device and they're like, how much longer is the device going to take? And she's like four minutes. And, and um, the, the lead character is like, can you make it two? And she's like, break the laws of physics. Okay. And then the main character's like, so you can't. And she's like, no, I I can't. Uh, you're getting it in four minutes. Um, which Very smart. I, I mean, uh, uh, young Leia continues to impress. Um, I enjoyed the scenes that she has. Um, Camille Najiani, Haja. Kind of feel like they were finding something for her to do in this episode, I will say. Yeah. Um, and the same thing with Haja of like giving a named character for her to interact with. Yeah, um, but I was that happy that we saw him again. And I well, will actually, say... Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, we see the the Corrin Horn's mom. She's the one that gets shot in the belly, um, which I, I didn't realize. Oh, that's the one, Yeah, well, she he Obi-Wan like helps her move. Mm-hmm. Um, but I... Oh, I know I what you're talking realize, about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't realize that until I, I just Googled Easter eggs from episode five of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And it, uh, it you're a better her. podcaster than I. I haven't gotten uh, that far. Well, I have, they've, they've, uh, scribble, they've uh, translated the Arabesh on the wall. So I've got um, some big, big reveals of Jedi that you've 100% heard of that are theoretically alive. Oh, and I'll, Snoke? I'll, 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 I'll end the episode with it. I'll, I'll say the, the characters' names, and you're going to be very excited. You're going to be oh, very I excited for wait. these Jedi that are, have been um, officially thrown into the Star Wars universe and are alive. Oh, Kyle Katarn. I can guarantee you, uh, you could have 100 guesses and you would never get any of these people's names. Oh, perfect. Names. Well, yep. I'm uh, all out of notes, so let's hear it. Okay. So to end this, and then we're going to um, come back for one last episode with episode six. Yep. Here are four Jedi that you can look forward to seeing theoretically in some Star Wars media. Um, hopefully they get their own movies. Um, the first being Corwin Shelvey, a character what? from the ah! um, from Star Wars Galaxy MMORPG. 
Dejin Altis, who f- was featured in the 2009 novel Clone Wars No Prisoners. Mm-hmm. Roganda Ismarin, who appeared in the 1994 <laughs> novel Children of the Jedi. And lastly, for all of those oh boy. Um, fans that aren't casuals, all right, only casuals would not be impressed by this. Mm-hmm. Tiberius Anderlock, an NPC in the Galaxy Extension Pack, Jump to Light Speed. The crazy thing is, not only do I not know any of those names, I also don't know any of the things you said that they are from. I have not uh, heard of that yep. book. I have not heard of those games. Uh, very cool. I do have it freeze framed on where Vader is grabbing this first ship, and I do not see a second ship. That said, this is a very dark, literally visually dark episode. Oh yeah, you have some sun coming into the house right now. Maybe there's something I'm I'm missing here. Uh, I don't buy it. No, no, it should have been a slide whistle when that second one came out. Email us, poboyspodcast at gmail.com. Please, classic plug. See you next week. Bye.